Hello and welcome to the Drinkin' Geek Out podcast. This is a show where we drink beer and geek out. You're listening to episode number 110, Tim Burton's Animated Trio, featuring Southern Tears Imperial Pumpkin, Brew Links Crazy Days, and Beer Breweries Marzen. With your host, Dustin, and special guest, me, Allison. Been a while yeah. since you've been on one of these things. I know. Well, we had to wait till we got our second microphone so we could be all legit now. Yeah, that's is true. Coming We've also had coming at you, duo microphone. Now we each get one. We don't have to share and yell at each other's faces. Right. Woo! We can be far, as far apart as possible, but still sound like we're in the same room. What? What? You're right next to me. What do you mean? I don't know. Don't tell people that. <laughs> all right. So today we are doing the. Uh, Tim Burton's animated trio. Uh, I say trio. There's actually four animated films, but James and the Giant Peach is not technically uh, a Halloween film. Whatever. It's still awesome. I still love that movie. Right. I had that movie on VHS back in the day. Woohoo. Date myself. Look yeah. at that. But yes, I did. VHS is. Yeah. Kids at home, you don't know what that is. It's this big old black box that people used to put in their TV. Yeah. VHS. <laughs> it played things. <laughs> There was there was some. There was the stuff called tape on the inside. Movies were on there. Yeah, you put it in the thing. You put it in the little eater. Yeah, the, anyway. the, the the what is it the VCR. The VCR e- tape eater. Tape eater. Essentially, that's what it was. And then you used your pencil to line it back up, just like you do back in the day with your cassettes, because you <laughs> fucked it up. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so this is not a reminiscing podcast. It can be. Oh, that's what next time people do. Reminisce on old childhood issues. That right. sounds like something nerdy people would do. Anyway, again. Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Creative genius, Tim Burton. He is an American film director, producer, artist, writer, animator. He is known for his dark, gothic, eccentric horror and fantasy films such as Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Uh, Edward, Sleepy Hollow, Corpse Bride, Sweeney Todd. The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, Dark Shadows, and Frankenweenie. He's also known for blockbusters such as the adventure comedy Pee-wee, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the superhero films in 1989, and the first sequel, Batman Returns, in 1992. The All sci-fi Batman. film of Planet of the Apes, uh, The Big Fish. That and, movie was messed up, but yep. we watched it in high school, but I just remember it was really weird. Yeah, the musical adventure film, Charlie and, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was the Johnny Depp one, which is not as good as the original. Yeah. And the fantasy film, Alice in Wonderland. That, uh, yeah. That Alice in Wonderland was interesting. Yeah, it was uh, super, super creepy. Like, a lot of a lot of his films are that way. But that's what you get when you have Tim Burton. That's just what you expect. Timothy Walter Burton. Yep. Burton has worked repeatedly with actors Johnny Depp and musician Danny Elfman, who has composed scores for all but three of the films Burton has directed. Actress Helena Bonham Carter, Burton's former domestic partner, has appeared in many of his films. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they were uh, together. Together. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I like her in uh, Harry Potter. 
Of course you do. Yeah. Nerd. I, I know. <laughs> he wrote and illustrated the poetry book, The Melancholy Death of the Oyster Boy, and other stories. I added a the in there. Published in 1997 by Faber and Faber, and a compilation of his drawings, sketches, and other artworks entitled The Art of Tim Burton was, was released in 2009. A follow-up to The Art of Tim Burton entitled The Napkin Art of Tim Burton, <laughs> Things You Think About in a Bar, containing sketches made by Burton in napkins at bars and restaurants he occasionally visited, and was released in 2015. Both compilations were published by Steele's Publishing. Yes. And I'm sure we have many Burton lovers out there. I know quite a few people who I was in school with back in the day were obsessed with him as far as, you know, like his more, not so much his recent stuff, but people just love him because of, you know, the classics like Nightmare Before Christmas and whatnot that I, I think the love for him kind of carried over to benefit his films, even though some of them were kind of funky. Like, okay, let's not even pretend like Charlie and Chalk Factory was good. Okay, let's just not pretend. Like, don't do it. Like, I know you want to love Tim Burton, but that was just weird. It was a weird movie, and Johnny Depp was freaky, and I just, I know. I'm sorry, but it's no. Just don't. He was also freaky in Alice in Wonderland. Like, those eyes that he had. Yeah. The bright orange hair. Well, the fact that he's just, like, so skeleton-y mm-hmm. is what's freaky. Like, he dropped a lot of weight. He doesn't look as freaky in other movies, but in, specifically in Tim Burton's movies, he always looks, like, super malnourished and it looks i don't know it just weirds me out kind of fits the theme of all of tim burton's animated characters yeah but in an animated character you don't think about it like that because it's not legit like it's not real so like seeing a human person like actually look like any of his animated characters is just like oh god people shouldn't look like that (laughs) like (laughs) it's okay when they're made out of clay and stuff but not when they're living and functioning in real life you feel like you could break them if you looked at them too long Yeah, probably. All right, so I did say trio. So the three films that we are going to be discussing is animated films, um, and they're classics. Obviously. Yeah, so the first one is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep. Uh, The second one is Corpse Ride. Yep, also love it. And the third one is Frank and Weenie. Give you a little bit of the feels, but not sure if I love it or not. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, so we're going to start in order of release. So the first one. And awesomeness. (laughs) and in awesomeness you're not wrong i know that's why i said it yeah the first film that we're discussing the nightmare before christmas the 1993 classic american stop-motion animated musical dark fantasy film directed by henry selick henry selick and produced and conceived by tim burton it tells the story of jack skellington a resident as well as the king of halloween town who stumbles through a portal in the woods to christmas town and decides to celebrate the holiday with some dastardly and comical consequences in halloween town danny elfman wrote the songs and the score as you could probably have guessed considering he's pretty much part of everything and provided the singing voice of jack because apparently chris sarandon doesn't know how to sing all right, so we have a, a few heavy hitters uh, when it comes to the casting. And you wouldn't think of them as heavy hitters today. But yeah, but back in the time. Back in the day, they're all part of that that ring of... Well-known. Uh, yeah, the well-known actors and actresses. Actors and, yep, yeah. That, you know, did all the Tim Burton things. So, yeah. um, as before, uh, for Jack, there was two, uh, two key players who voiced him. So, for the speaking role... Uh, it was Chris Sarandon, and Danny Elfman did the singing voice, which it always bothered me without looking that up. Like, 
hearing the difference in yeah, there. Yeah, I can talking. I can like that doesn't he sound he's like I understand that some people can change their voice when they sing, but I was like that's just too different. Yeah. For me, I was like I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. I just don't know why they just didn't have Danny Elfman just do the whole thing. I'm sure, or they have you know get a better voice actor. I don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> get someone who could have done both. I don't know. Unless he was like super in love with the way Chris sounded, and he was just like, "Well, you can't sing, so Danny, we're just gonna throw you in there." Okay. Actually, what had happened was Elfman was initially just cast to do the singing voices and wrote all the songs. Once everything was recorded. Then they got Chris to actually play the Pumpkin King. Oh, that's weird. Uh, to match his voice style, I don't know. I I thought it was too different. Eh. I could tell, but that's essentially him. He has a dog named Zero. He's a ghost dog. He's a not ghost just dog. a dog, a ghost dog, and he's cute, and he's got a little jack lantern for a nose. But yeah, he's cutie. And then you know he goes through his kind of midlife crisis. I don't know. Is there a midlife for a skeleton king? I don't know. But apparently there was. So kind of goes through this crisis of he's tired of doing the same thing over and over again. And we end up with Christmas in Halloween Town. Yeah. He stumbles upon the Christmas door. Well, he stumbles across all the doors for all the holidays in the middle of the forest. And he just kind of peers into one. He's like, let's just open this one. And it kind of just goes from there. I'm sure if you haven't seen the movie, then uh, stop what you're doing and go watch it. Like, A, just why? What's wrong with you? Where have you been all your life? But secondarily, it's really good and you should see it just because of all the references that are made in other pop culture things that have to do with this movie. And I'm like, not to call out white women in America who are lower middle class, but I'm pretty sure you've seen someone wear them because that's like a really popular thing for lower middle class white women. Jack Skellington <laughs> and Sally. It's like either it's like purses, jackets, weddings. Yeah, everyone is obsessed with them. Yep. But yeah, it's really popular. Speaking of Sally, uh, Catherine O'Hara was the, uh, the voice actress for her. And she's essentially was like a ragdoll creation that the Dr. Finkelstein Dr. Finkelstein kind of put together, stitched together. <laughs> Literally sewed up a bag of leaves because <laughs> yeah. that's what her insides are. Leaves. Yep. But yeah. So she's also, it's funny, she's a toxicologist. Kind she's, of. <laughs> she's made her way to a toxicologist just yeah. because she is trying to get away from Dr. Finkelstein because he's a little creepy and obsessive and wants a companion, so... Mm-hmm. And then she also has premonitions, and what you see in the film when uh, Jack finally is like, "Yeah, we're doing this. We're bringing Halloween Town, or we're bringing Christmas to Halloween Town." Blah blah blah. And then she picks up a like a flower. dandelion. Yeah. Was it? I don't know if you call it a flower. A weed. A weed, because <laughs> it's Halloween Town, so nothing's like like a flower, but a weed, and it pretty much bursts into flames with when it turns into a Christmas tree. So she kind of has these little premonitions about what's happening and then yeah and she is Catherine O'Hara which a plug for our other episode always reminds me of Jules from Psych Mm -hmm. because I always see that name and I'm like O'Hara I'm like (laughs) oh not Jules yeah speaking of other other movies and other tv shows such uh she also previously co-starred in Beetlejuice Catherine that is yeah Catherine uh, (laughs) O'Hara not 
not Juliet O'Hare, no, Catherine O'Hare. <laughs> uh, so there's that connection of yeah. you know, always working with Danny Elfman and yeah. Tim Burton. It's kind of like a group. And then we have other characters that kind of play a smaller role. You have William Hickey, who was Dr. Finkelstein, who is Sally's father. Um, but yeah, and he's only mentioned by name once in the film. He's the evil scientist in a wheelchair who ends up making a wife for himself because he pulls half of his brain out and puts it in her. He's like, haha, well, if Sally's not going to be my BFF daughter, then I'll make a wife for myself who will be my BFF because she'll have half my brain. Yeah, it's like a, a duck man. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> is. His mouth is funky. Yeah. And then you have the mayor. Glenn Shaddix. He's got the two-face. Um, and yeah, and he had also worked on Beetlejuice, so that's kind of another... Better not say it one more time, but that's also another... <laughs> um, Tie and connection. Yeah, connection between the two of them. And then we have our famous Oogie Boogie, our giant bag full of bugs, who's got a gambling addiction and, you know, is a little bit of a sadist. It's fine, though. He's played, interesting. Played by Ken Page. Yes. And then you have the short-lived Santa Claus. Um, and then you have, obviously, the three trick-or-treaters who are a big part of the plot with stealing Santa and not being trustworthy. And they have the best song. I'm throwing that out there. You might disagree. You know what? If you disagree with me, go ahead. Let me hear it. But I think they are the song is the best song. Kidnap Little Sandy Claus? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One, Come at uh, me with that. Come at me with that if you think I'm wrong. Right. So one of the <laughs> one of the trick-or-treaters uh, that's not Catherine O'Hare or uh, anybody else, uh, Paul Rubens. Yes. Locke. Uh, he played Locke. Um, and he, O'Hare was Shock. Yep. And Danny Elfman was Beryl. Yep. Uh, but more importantly, Paul Rubens is like a, a huge, like, tie that you know you people don't really like realize but paul rubens is actually you know peewee right peewee herman yeah. uh he actually he does a lot of work with voiceover stuff voiceover stuff and work with tim burton and all that stuff so like tim burton helped with peewee's big adventure yep and paul rubens came in for batman returns yep he was also in that in the 92 version yeah, yeah. so he was he actually played penguin's father in oh. yeah. Gotcha. So if you like, Interesting. not sure where you see him. You're like, why does this guy look familiar? That's why. Yeah. That's why he looks familiar. And there's one other name to add to this list of uh, things to <laughs> pop up there. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, recorded wait. narration and prologue and epilogue for this film. Patrick Stewart. That is, if you if you didn't get my reference, the Star Trek reference, Patrick Stewart. Even though Oh Captain My Captain has nothing to do with Patrick Stewart ever because he's not Robin Williams, but I don't know why I said that. Continue. Alright. So that's basically the film. No, it's not. It's not even close to being basically the film. Those are the people in the film, and if you haven't seen it and you don't know what we're talking about, go watch it because where the hell have you been since nineteen ninety three? I don't even care if you're born after that. Like go watch it. Cause psh, I was one when it came out, but I love that movie, so I don't know what you're doing with your life if you haven't seen it yet. (sighs) Sad day for you if you haven't seen it. Anyway, it's awesome. It's the one I would say it's the best one of the three that we're going to talk about. I would say it's probably his best movie. Right. So basically, how it ends. 
since I don't really feel like these are going to be spoilers since this came out in 93. Just <laughs> kind of like a, a refresher course. Halloween Town does not do Christmas very well. No. That's 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 how it ends. And then Zoe and Jack are together, finally. Yeah. and Because like he kind of figures it out. That's like the most important part of the movie is when Sally and Jack get together. You, you just know. want her to like be social so badly for her. Like you feel badly that she can't be social. And then she's like trying really hard and she can't. And then he's all wrapped up in other things and won't listen. And then it's just like, finally, we all feel like awkward slaves of our parents sometimes, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why we connect with her so much, but we do. Anyway, let's try. Do we want to go into our first beer? Absolutely. All righty. Let's get out some beer. If you are looking for more beer podcasts, just like the one you're listening to right now, then head on over to hoppedupnetwork.com. We are a podcast network focused on our local craft beer communities. Here's a quick example of one of the many podcasts you will find. Are you a discerning beer drinker? Do you drink beer for the taste of black currant and old leather? Can you tell the difference between Simcoe and Citra hops, despite whatever type of beer you might be drinking? Yeah, sorry, that's not this podcast. You want to listen to somebody else. We here at the Speak Podcast do regular beer for regular people. Joe Six Pack Beer at Joe Six Pack Taste. That's Rob, Adam, and Pete, proud members of the Hopped Up Network. Three guys, two beers, one show. Yeah, we, we kind of changed up the show a little bit. So we go nerd topic, break for beer, more nerd topic, break for beer. Nerd topic. That way, that way it's just not like a all around, wow, oh, they got to wait half hour, 45 minutes before the beer starts. I mean, if they really just wanted to listen to us talk about beer, they could just skip to the end. But now they have to listen to the whole thing. So ha ha ha. That's you're going to listen to us. Anyway, our point. beer. Do you want to talk about it while I get it out? Uh, Yeah, go ahead. We'll do that. Okay. Yep. Oh, God. I'm stuck. All right. So for, we're going to start with an out beer because of the ordering of the, the movies. Uh, kind of felt necessary that we use Southern Tears Imperial Pumpkin as the beer because Jack is actually referred to as the Pumpkin King. So I figured Pumpkin, Pumpkin King, that's just perfect. It has to happen. Uh, and I drove around forever <laughs> looking for this beer and I didn't even find it. Uh, Keith up in uh, Fort Wayne actually found it. And then so we traded the bourbon barrel. Uh, rum bur- or the rum barreled version of it for the imperial pumpkin. So now we have a nice uh, pumpkin uh, ale. So we've had pumpkin on before. So in our episode, uh, the spooktacular Halloween episode number thirteen, uh, we had that on here. We did a bunch of like pumpkin beers or Halloween style beers and kind of ranked them. Um, that episode is no longer available uh, for listening. However. If you subscribe to our Patreon, uh, www.patreon.com slash drinkinggeekout, it will be all avail- available for just $1. $1 a month gives you access to all of our um, podcasts that we have no longer available. So if you give a dollar, you can listen to uh, this episode uh, along with other episodes. So enough of that plug. Uh, we had this beer um, a. a a variant of it last week as well. So when on our episode 109, spooky and scary video game films, 
music or video game musics. Uh, we had the Pumpkin Rum Barreled, aged. Uh, and it was fantastic. Well, then I look forward to trying this with you. Yeah. So without further ado, the king of pumpkin beers and their little, what do you want to call it? Like a capture line, something to get you interested in. Yeah. The beer is pretty interesting. It's kind of interesting. I know I don't really know what it has to do with beer, but anyway, All Hallows Eve is a time of the year when spirits can make contact with the physical world and when magic is most potent. It is it, it is, is thought. <laughs> it is thought that we harness this magic to brew our powerful pumpkin ale. Not so, but it is with great respect to the magic of their trade that our brewers produce this fine beer. Take a whiff of this complex ale, and your journey has just begun. At first sip, a magical spell will bewitch your taste buds. Yet another victim. Wow. Yet another victim enraptured by the pumpkin. Yep, it starts off at 8.6 ABV and 30 IBUs, so it's pretty intense. Uh, the rum-barreled one, 13.6 ABV. Awesome. So, here we go. We're going to do... Where's the bottle? Oh, sorry. I put it We're on. not doing this right. <gasps> All right, so the bottle that's in front of us right meow is a big old bomber. Bomb ourselves. Yeah, so it has the original pumpkin on there. This is actually the original logo and original uh, label. They haven't replaced the label yet. Uh, if you're familiar with Southern Tier, a lot of their beers have gotten a new label and a new logo. So this is the logo that's on here is the same, but now they have Southern Tier across the top and then Brewing Company underneath. So it's more and, like a coin. Yeah, it's more like a coin. And it comes up here in the middle. And then it has all the like fancy scroll work, and yeah, everything. scroll work on there. And then it just cleans up all this space for just orange pumpkin and more, you know, this pumpkin looking dude. Sweet. So on the side of this bottle, so I think we read the description for what they put on the new bottle. Oh yeah, that's not uh, so, the same. So yeah, it's not the same. So this is a this is vintage. This is 2017. Oh, watch out! Oh, We're drinking a vintage. No. Oh, oh, I should have. I don't know. Should have serenaded this one. <laughs> Before we opened it, christened yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Pumpkin is an ode to Puka, the mythical Celtic horse beast. That's really, that was an, that was an awkward sentence. Yeah. A mythical Celtic horse beast said to entice careless travelers onto its back and carry them on a terrifying night ride through the forest. So like the headless horseman? Kind of. It is a journey from which they return forever changed. Pour pumpkin into a goblet and allow its spice aroma and deep copper color to entrance you. Taste the beer and you'll be I bewitched. Pumpkin. Oh, wait, I smelled it. Shoot, now I'm entranced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Powerless to resist the pumpkin. This beer is brewed with pagan spirits and should be enjoyed responsibly. Oh. Right, so we have bitterness is very low. The aroma is pumpkin, pie spice, vanilla. Uh, flavor is multi sweetness, pumpkin pie, and pie crust. So pretty much the perfect beer for you. Yeah, because he's obsessed with pumpkin. If you didn't know. Yeah, so this is brewed with two varieties of hops and two types of malts. So this is brewed with two varieties of hops. Doesn't say and two types of malts. I'm pretty excited. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the label? Uh, I mean, I feel like the size is good comparatively to the bottle, but mm -hmm. it's a little boring. 
I mean, the pumpkin's cool, but mm-hmm. the, it seems like a lot of it's taken up by, like, words and not a lot of, like, yeah, descriptor. There, there's bats, though. Are they, yeah, they're cut out. Those are kind of cool. Okay, so on to the smelling of this beer. Ready? I smelled it while you were reading and got entranced. I couldn't help it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely pumpkin. Yeah. It's like... Definitely pumpkin. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, yeah, pumpkin pine glass plus beer. Right, I don't. Yeah, it does. It does smell a lot like pumpkin pie, comparative to because it's got the vanilla ness to it. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's not just pumpkin. It's like a baked pumpkin yeah, pastry. Some type nutmeg, some spices. Yeah, I'm about to drink some uh, pumpkin pie in a glass. Yeah, pumpkin pie in a glass. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> uh, see the light color. Let's see if I can find something that matches on our uh, color. Chart. Chart, if I can find it. That was unprepared. No. I mean, it's. They said it was copper. I wouldn't quite call it copper. I'd call it like a dark gold. We'll see what that chart says when Dustin gets it together. All right, so we have our geek style SMR, so our standard reference method. So if you take a look at this color, then we can match uh, what we think it would look like. Probably like a 15 or a 16. What? No. I'm thinking like a 10. No, that's just the light doesn't, it's got to hold up against the wall. I'm still thinking like closer to an 11 or 10. Maybe an 11 or a 12. Okay. Let's go with the middle. Yeah. So let's go down to the 12 or 11. We'll just do 11. So Blanca shorts. What the fuck is a Blanca? You never seen anything from Street Fighter? No. I oh. really used to play it, but I've never cared about Street Fighter. Alright, well then we'll talk about the Charizard on the Charizard card. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's I funny. know that one. Yeah. I got my so Pokemon we'll, reference. We'll stick to that. Good. We're good with that. Alright, let's get some tasting going. Alright, that's pretty good. Up front, it kind of tastes more of like just eating a pumpkin. Like if you open up a yeah. can of the pumpkin. Yeah. Um, not really as spicy as I was anticipating. Yeah, it wasn't as... It's not that it's not smooth. I just feel like you smell and taste very different things. Yeah. Definitely. And we've noticed that throughout the years of trying beers and stuff. But, like, it smells a lot sweeter than what it tastes like. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And I can kind of taste, like, the the alcohol burn. Yeah, at the end. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, me too. I get it at the end a lot. Or, like, halfway through at least. Yeah, and so this is basically better than... I was anticipating, or I remembered, but it wasn't as good as the rum-barreled one. Oh, well, yeah, uh, not the, shocking the, for you. The rum-barreled one tastes like a nutmeg milkshake. Oh, wow. And that's what me and Keith were back and forth talking. It was amazing. <laughs> like I believe it. Stupid amazing. And the only thing that I, I said that it would have made it better, got because it, it was like, I think I gave it a 475. What? What would have what made it a five for me? Is if it had this taste. So you wanted more of the... Pumpkin-y taste. I wanted more of a pumpkin pie taste because it's a... Really? A pumpkin. So I wanted this everything else to be the same. Spicy, very like milkshakey, thick. Yeah. High alcohol content, but I wanted it to be more of like a pumpkin pie. Huh. And so I'm So get- maybe if you'd like half of that with half of this, it'd be uh, like yeah. bomb sauce for you. Probably mixing them both. That would be insane. There you go. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I had some left from last week that I can do like a 
a compare, but yeah. it probably wouldn't have kept. Probably not. Not really. And I don't know if I would have kept it. You probably would have drank it by now. It would have been completely gone. <laughs> All right. So back on the document, uh, to make it easier, I already wrote some of the, the stats down that yeah. uh, we normally would look up and so, uh, share around. We got Beer Advocate. It's got almost 7,500 ratings. So with 7,462 ratings, it's got a 4.05, which is not bad. And then Rate Beer, it has a 97 overall and a 99 for style. And then Untapped puts it at a 3. No, no. it's still Rate Beer. Oh, what? What's that number? That's what Rate Beer has it rated as. Oh, I'm so confused. Why? The Rate Beer has three things. It has overall, a style, and then what people have ranked it. Oh, so So Rate Beer snobs. They rate the beer themselves, yeah, and then they have people who... Go in there and rate it. Yeah. So the rate beer snobs put it at 3.73. Yep. So. When I edited this document uh, this morning to put all this stuff in there, uh, Untapped was down. Oh. It, un- under maintenance, so I couldn't oh, no. actually put it in there. So I have the everybody rating for Untapped with uh, 21,000 ratings. It's a 3.95. Wow. Uh, I have a friend's rating of 3.5. Uh, it's the seven people that we know. So Michael Linzenman gave it a 375. Uh, probably Scott from NY or WNY Brews gave it a four. Uh, Andrew, two years ago, oh wow, gave it a two. So only a year before this one, technically, because this was a yeah. vintage. Yep, for sure. <laughs> uh, Paul or Pale gave it in the same time frame 3.5. Uh, Keith gave it a 3.25. Uh, Chris Leland, or Mr. Gone V6, gave it a 4. Uh, Mike from Pacific Beer Chat gave it a 4. And then of my, I gave it a rating as well two years ago, and I gave it 3.75. I think I might be updating this. Oh. Because, I mean, it is vintage. It is, you know, another year stored on the shelf. It does have that pumpkin pie taste that I said that I really wanted. Right. Um, and like it's it's, and I love pumpkins. That's that's for <laughs> that's sure. just what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is pretty solid. I mean, it's not the rum barrel. The rum barrel is pretty good. Yeah. So. But you also wish the rum barrel tastes a little bit more like this. So yeah. So how does that work? Well, I think that the rum barrel had more key points. That I liked. Mm. And I just, I think it was more of like a, if it had tasted a little bit more like a pumpkin pie, it would be a five. Oh, okay. This one, probably bring up the alcohol content just a little bit. Make the burn at the very end kind of smoother and add more spice. I think that this beer would just be fantastic. Gotcha. Reasonable. Yeah. So with, with that being said, I'm just going to update this uh, to a 425. Uh, I'll just uh, write a little bit of a note, vintage 2017 version in 2018. Fantastic. Just save that right quick. This came in a bottle and checked in. Updated. Yeah. Updated, rechecked in, whatever you want to call it. It's showing up, boom, four seconds ago. All right. Well, if you were to give it a rating, which I'm pretty sure we should have just started an untapped for you. 
Probably. Um, how many bottle caps would you have potentially put this at? I know you don't like pumpkins as much as I do. Yeah, I'm not a pumpkin person. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty good. I wouldn't, I don't know, probably like a 3.75. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'd give it a 4. I just, I wasn't like overly excited about it. But you know me, I'm more of a Mars and wheat person. But this, yeah. I wasn't like super thrilled by the actual beer flavor at the end. So like, I, yeah. of course, I'm like thinking about it as like I'm drinking a beer. Like I'm not drinking, I'm not drinking this to be like pumpkin spice latte. Like right. <laughs> that's not what I expect or, you know, what I want from this. Right. So like overall, I'd say the fact that the, the smell and the taste are so very different kind of throws me off mm-hmm. because from the smell, I would expect more of a vanilla pumpkin pie kind of thing. But when you drink it, it's definitely just pumpkin-y. Yeah. Canned pumpkin. Yeah, pretty much. And then. The beer kind of seems like an afterthought, you know, at the end yeah. of the taste. So, I don't know. It wasn't. It's not bad, but I wouldn't be like, I have to drink this. So, yeah, three point seven five ish range. I can, I can, I can live with that. It's, yeah. yeah, it's not like a, I need to go find this at the nearest store and drink it all until it, you know, I suffocate or whatever. But it's good. Yeah, well, you have two-hour drive to find it at the nearest store. Yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> I'll keep my gas money, thanks. All right, moving on to our second film, Corpse Bride. Yes. So this came out in 2005. I remember when this came out, everyone was so excited. Yeah, because they're like, oh, we haven't had one since 93. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Corpse Bride is a 2005 British-American stop-motion animated musical fantasy film directed by Mike Johnson and Tim Burton with a screenplay by John John August, Caroline Thompson, and Pamela Pettler. Based on characters created by Burton and Carlos Grain- Grangel. 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 The plot is set in a fictional Victorian-era village in Europe. Johnny Depp lead, leads the cast as a voice actor, Victor, while Helena Bonham Carter voices Emily, the titular bride. Corpse Ride is the third stop-motion feature film produced by Burton and the first directed by him. The other previous two films, The Nightmare Before Christmas and James and the Giant Peach, were directed by Henry Selick. Alone. And he was just the thought process behind the whole thing absolutely mm-hmm. so i mean i did i forgot to mention this in the nightmare before christmas but i've only seen that movie twice i know you're welcome yeah i i didn't see it until we Me. started dating you're welcome. Uh, i opened your eyes to life you did uh carp's bride i've only seen once and it was because we were making this yeah <laughs> i mean i've seen it a few times i it's good it's just not something i like it's not something that when halloween comes around i'm like i have to watch this it's not like it's hocus pocus where i'm like i have to watch this every year but it's good i mean i like it i just it's not something that i like am obsessed with and it doesn't have the cult following the nightmare does either i mean i still it's still a pretty good movie it's still something that is true to the tim burton kind of gothic sci-fi well not sci-fi gothic like horror plus romance mixed Mm -hmm. in with you know some poverty level interest in capitalism and you know all the things that are going on in society so he's kind of a i would say it's more of a like a reflection on life in general but in a darker sense yeah anyway so our characters as we already mentioned johnny depp was victor 
Van Dort. He is the shy, awkward, gangly man who gets engaged to the lady across the street, Victoria Everglot, for social and financial reasons. Their parents set it up, uh, basically, because each set of parents believes the other set of parents will have money, and that will bring them to a new like level of social and, you know, obviously financial wealth. Um, Everglots are sad that they have to marry their daughter off to the fisherman, well, the fish canning, fish canning business owner's son, but, you know, they are essentially in the poorhouse if they don't marry off their daughter and make some money off of her. And then we have Emily Watson, who is Victoria Everglot, and she is, you know, the pretty, sweet-natured, timid fiancé who is surprised by Victor's ability to play piano and his seemingly compatible nature with her. Um, I think they're, you know, if you've never seen it before, everyone would be surprised that that seemed like a union that would actually work, considering the parents are doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, And then the titular character, um, Helena Bonham Carter, as Emily, the corpse bride. She's the beautiful, charismatic young zombie with a passion for music and dance. She's left essentially at the altar by her then-fiancé, who murders her to get her family's money. And then we have Victor's parents, Nell, who is voiced by Tracy Ullman. And, of course, like I said, they're socially ambitious. Um, His mom is quite contemptful of her son because he is awkward and, you know, kind of strange. And she wants him to get out of the house and marry up. And then you have Paul Whitehouse as William, Victor's absent-minded father. Paul Whitehouse also plays the coachman who dies in the movie and is kind of important and then the head waiter who is literally the severed head who is also a waiter and then we have victoria's parents we have Madeline and finnis so we have joanna lumley as Madeline and albert phineas finnis um <laughs> i like that the description of victoria's father is toad like because it's so true um and then her mother who is definitely snide and contemptful and unloving and very much so what you would expect from a stereotypical upper class woman in the Victorian era who is, you know, just doing what she has to do to live her lifestyle the way she wants. And then you have Bacchus, the evil con artist who is revealed as Emily's former fiance and then, you know, the person who murders her. Um, he is played by Richard Grant. And then we have a few other characters who play some relatively important roles we have jane horrocks who plays the black widow who you know is important um to just specifically to emily as far as being a voice of reason being a maternal kind of figure to her um just someone who's you know kind of there for her in the storyline and even though she's not like a big part it's still someone that you know emily looks for for you know, direction and, you know, support. And then we have the maggot, the sarcastic green maggot who lives inside Emily's head and acts as her conscious. Well, I don't know if I'd call him it's conscious, but that's N. Rytel. And he tries his best to, uh, you know, do what's right for her and, you know, stick up for her. And he's kind of more her support system as well, as, you know, as well as the Black Widow. And then... We have, like I said, a couple of other 
less important characters, the pastor, the ancient skeleton, uh, Elder Gutnicht, who shows them how to get back to the land of the living. Hold on, you're just going to skip over Christopher Lee like that? Yeah, because I guess, yes, it's Christopher Lee, but for real, he's in there for like 20 minutes. I know, but it's Christopher Lee. He's the asshole priest. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's Christopher Lee. You can tell by his voice that it's Christopher Lee. I'm like, oh, Sauron. And then, you know, Danny Elfman, of course, makes his little performance as the one-eyed singing skeleton. Shocker, of course he is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, overall... I didn't get into this movie as much, but it was still pretty good. I mean, it was kind of freaky at first because, yeah. you know, he's out there in the woods practicing his vows to get married to this woman he doesn't really know, but is kind of interested in after they first meet. And it's kind of like, you know, this might actually work. And then he's out there practicing and he actually finally gets him right after, you know, hours of practicing and then all of a sudden this zombie's chasing after him and she's like, Oh, we're married now. It's like, um, what happened till death do us part? Like she's already dead. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did the the right on her hand. Apparently, her hand is a piece of wood. Or well, it was her bones that were sticking out of the ground, but yeah. it didn't look like bones. It looked like a twig. Yeah. Right. Well, it's like shriveled up skin on top of her bones that's left. Yeah, gross. Especially like the place where she was murdered. Like essentially, is what that's supposed to be. Right. She's supposed to be buried there, and that's supposed to be it. Her literal skeleton hand. Well zombie hand whatever you want to call it dead hand rotting outside of the Mm -hmm. grossness yeah then after you know coming to terms with the fact that he's essentially stuck with a zombie (laughs) yeah stuck with her they decide to kind of go through with this ritual that would essentially kill him so that way they could actually be married yeah in the underworld yep death do us part then they're like, oh, well, he, she is actually dead, so you don't actually have any right to be married if you're not in the same state of living. So he was going to kill himself. Right. So they have their their ceremony. Yeah, at the church. Yeah. And with Chris Hurley. I mean. At, at the same time, uh, Victoria and the... Bacchus. Bacchus. Arcus. Arcus. It's Bacchus, yeah. back in Boston. Uh, he has. They have their almost wedding. Well, she was gonna. He got mad because he realized they didn't actually have any money, and so he was gonna take her to go get married anyway, so he could steal what little they had. And so, as they're you know discussing the fact that she's basically gonna be his you know slave essentially if they actually do get married, or he'll murder her too. You know, she runs away to the church, and then he shows up trying to chase her down, so he can't, so she can't tell anyone. And they kind of barge in on the ceremony for Victor and Emily. Yeah, I think one of my favorite parts about all of that is when they come to the normal land, and they're trying to like. There, it seems like they're going to haunt people, like they're going to run amok about yeah. this town. But then they actually just have these reunited moments with these people. That they miss and love. That they miss yeah. and love. Yeah, I thought that was the coolest part. Where the little kid just walks up to the old scary like zombie and it's like, Grandpa! And then they're all like, oh, Grandpa! And like, all of a sudden, all of a sudden everyone's cool with like the fact that there's just zombies everywhere. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> there's a yeah. bunch of zombies, but it's cool because we like know that, these zombies. It's like that old man that walked up to the cranky old woman 
Yeah. She's just hitting him with her cane or the walking stick or whatever. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden she's like, oh, my husband. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that part a lot. It's funny. So then they had like the epic battle at the end. Kind of. Kind of epic battle. I wouldn't call it a battle. I'd call it more of a swarm. Yeah, where Barkus is fighting Victor. and Yeah, okay. A little bit of a battle. I don't know. But once he's killed himself on accident. <laughs> yeah. When he drinks the wine, which is actually poison intended for Victor, and then everyone, because it's right at the end where they're like, the dead hat cannot interfere with the, you know, the situation living, yeah. going on in the living, and then once Barkus is dead, then they're like, okay, now we can, you know, go crazy and mess him up, mess him up, essentially, yeah. Right. So, yeah. It's a good movie. I mean, again, it doesn't have the cult following that Nightmare does. But it's still pretty good. I mean, it's definitely something that you should probably see if you are interested in that kind of gothic, yeah, sort of cartoony, fictional life. Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. Watching it for the first time, I actually did enjoy it. Yeah, like I said, it's not it's not a bad movie by any means. It's definitely an interesting. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not of ever plotline I would have ever conceived of, like. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the fact that a living person could accidentally marry a dead person, like, what? Yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> so. that's kind of the fun part of Tim Burton, right? You know? Exactly, it's very out there, kind right. of different thinking. But yeah, so again, if you haven't seen this one, you probably should. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it's good. I love the. I think the overall quality of the film is better. Right. Just because, you know, they had essentially 10, 12 years to make the film. Improve on the technology. Yeah, improve just the general stop motion and, you know, the animation stuff. So, it's definitely good. And, you know, it's kind of haunting. And the music's really good in that one as well. There's not like a... There's not a key song in this movie as much as there was in Nightmare. There's not like one thing that like stands out as far as like, oh, that song's from Corpse Bride. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there are some fun, like when he first is in the underworld, married to her and like they're explaining like what happened and why she's there and whatnot. There's some fun music. Right. And then there's some haunting music, of course, when they're back in the land of the living, because it's almost better off to be dead, because they have more fun, it seems like. And then, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's very, like, melancholy. It's very drab. Yeah. Up there, like, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's, it's very drab. stereotypical Tim Burton gray, black and yeah. white kind of. But once he's dead, it's but, bright. Yeah, there's lots of colors. There's it, lots of motion. Kind of reminds me of like that Princess and the Toad, where you have all the the voodoo-y... Princess and the Frog. Whatever. Don't come at Princess and the Frog calling him a toad. Um. Well, anyway. Ugly little froggy thing. It reminds me of like the Book of Life and all that stuff, yeah. where they kind of have more of a colorful, a colorful underworld yeah. type of thing. Yeah, for sure. That's... It definitely seems like more of a Hispanic kind of like influence there, because mm-hmm. most European culture thinks of like the underworld as being either like red, orange, fiery, dark. You know. Right. So it's definitely got more of a lively feel to it. So it's definitely something interesting. Well, it could anyway. be because Carlos is the other guy who right. had the characters. So right. could have so some kind of influence, influence there. there. Yeah, you never know. Anyway, 
So, I will get the next beer if you would like to do the spiel again. Sounds good. All right, so the next beer that we have is going to be an in beer. Uh, so, this is an Indiana brewed beer. We've had the the brewery on before. Uh, it is Brewlink Brewing Company. And the beer that we are going to be drinking is Crazy Days Cream Ale. While we get the next beer ready, I just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DrinkInGeekOut. You can also check our show notes and other fun stuff on our website, DrinkInGeekOut.com. You can also email us any comments or suggestions at DrinkInGeekOut at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a Patreon where you can get some fun bonus content and previous episodes, and that is currently at patreon.com slash drinkandgeekout. And now, back to the show. All right, so we've had Brewlink on before, as I've uh, previously stated. We've had Insert Hop Reference, we've had Ivory Stout, and we've also had the Nutter Cup uh, on there. Uh, as a refresher, Brewlink hails in Plainsfield, Indiana, and it's uh, essentially... 30 minutes southwest from us. Um, it's really it's really easy to overlap in getting uh, brews from the same place, especially when they kind of fit a bill. And Brulik, you know, seems to be that company that seem you know fitting the bill for us, especially with the design of the can uh, that's in front of us. But before we discuss the can uh, about this beer, they only had one line. So it's going to be really easy to describe. It says, the beer, or the gateway beer, light in taste, but full in flavor. This one's for you. Kind of reminds me of, like, the... Yeah, <laughs> kind this of. for you? Yeah, it's like a, a crappy uh, Big Three beer, you know? This Bud's for you, but we're not doing Bud. We're doing Brewlink Crazy Days. Comes in at 4.9 ABV, and there's no IBUs uh, listed on the can. Or on Untapped or on any uh, website that uh, we use. So there's none of that. So here okay. we are. I'm going to open this bad boy up. Ah. All right. It is uh, cream ale, so it's going to be cream. light, creamy. I've had this before. I, I like to taste test the beers before I put them on the show because I don't want to get like a beer that's absolute crap. <laughs> Uh, but sometimes especially I do. you're trying to give it to me. Especially, yeah. When I'm <laughs> trying to give it to my wife, I want to make sure that it is something that I enjoy and that she would probably enjoy. If it's just going to be the guys, then it's always nice to have that beer that everyone can shit on. So we don't always have like agreeing opinions on a beer. Uh, unless we all agree that we hate it. Uh, which has happened before. Alright, so to start us off, this uh, this can is actually fits the bill for Corpse. Bride, because it is a coffin, and there's a hand coming out of the coffin. An arm. A full-on elbow action there. Yeah, a little skeleton hand, arm. Holding the beer. Holding the beer. In a pint glass. And it's supposed to identify the color of the beer right there, but Mm. it doesn't quite get there. It's like an off-yellowy, white cream color. Yeah. The background of the can is a... Oh, no, they're monsters and... They're they're like fossils. and ghosts. No, that's a ghost. Oh, that's yeah. a bug. That's a bat. That's a monster. There's yeah, a but it kind of looks like kind of looks like. Um, it reminds me of like the sugar skulls that I get decorated, but yeah. it's just with Halloween references. Right, and it's just white and like creamy. Like off white. Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, nice little skull there. On the side. The Brulink banner is on things, which is usual. And you have your arm wrestling Brulink monsters logo. I've always enjoyed that one. <laughs> They're funny. The little thing on this on the can is not on the website, so it's worth reading. Sometimes we have crazy days. Sometimes we have easy days. This beer is for all those days that prepare you to survive. A blend of lager and ale style that makes this brew exceptionally drinkable and crisp. With very little hop profile, making this perfect drink to, perfect to drink for all those crazy days. Yeah, designs and characters are designed by Watto. I don't know who Watto is, but I appreciate your work, dude. Person? Individual? I'm assuming. It's not good to assume, but I'm just assuming. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, let's... Uh, overall, can I think a can gets about a B plus. I like the design. Yeah. It's It is kind of basic, but, it's, but not. it's very intricate. Maybe an A minus. Yeah. Maybe an A minus with the intricacy. I feel like they could have done something to make it stand out a little bit more, but I don't know if that was intentional. Like they were yeah. trying to make it like it's so intricate, but we don't want it to like blow your face off. I don't know. I like it. Right. I need to remind me. I need to take a picture of this beer with the. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and take this beer picture, the crazy days picture. And I, I need to pour another one of those. All right, hold it up. It is a cream ale. So it's not as light as I thought it would be though. Right, it's it kind of thick, thicker and darker than I was expecting. So it's it's closer to the five or a six, I think. Yeah, I'd go there. Yeah, like yeah. six. Yeah, it really would be closer to a six. I'm cool with a six. Um, a six would be Star- oh, Donnie's no, Donnie's chest or Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Ha! Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Yeah, it would work because it was directed by Tim Burton. <laughs> there we go. And Johnny Depp's in this one too. How right you are. Look at that. It's it just like keeps coming meta. around. It's meta. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is meta. Oh, sniff test. How are we feeling on the sniffers? It is kind of... It, it definitely just smells like it's, your basic cream ale. Like if you have um, a sunlight in front of you. I would or, say it's not even as strong as sunlight. It seems really yeah. like right. weak smelling. It is, it is. I mean, it's kind of beery. And if I waft the, the thing around a little bit. <laughs> Wafting, wafting. I learned from a, a brewer that if you spin the glass a little bit, it unlocks some of the flavors. But our little uh, our gla- rock glasses are a little too full for us to do that. <laughs> I just spin out. Well, I didn't get the full glass because I didn't think we'd need a giant pour. But yeah. you just went for it and poured the whole can in there. So, well, yeah, oh well. well, that's fine. Yeah, or I mean, cans don't keep that well. It's very calm. Yeah. Considering. We just... I don't taste a lot of that, like, traditional creamy vanilla flavor either, really. No. Or whatever you would consider a cream ale. Like, I usually think of cream when I think of, like, a vanilla-y or, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, this kind of reminds me of, like, a cream soda. Mm. But just not as strong of a creamy, vanilla taste of the soda. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, there's, I still know. This would be, like, the cream ale I would drink. Because I don't like cream soda. Yeah. Get at me if you don't like cream soda. I don't. You can drink it all. I don't need it. I feel like you're starting to fight with everybody on the show. I am. I'm just like... gonna. I'm just gonna be that guy. So everyone has to write you comments. So that way you get more people like listen to this bitch. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> you're like <laughs> at me. I have this opinion. Don't at me or do at me. Let's go. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing will happen. I'll just be like, oh, 
I appreciate your contribution. Yeah. It's crisp. It's light. I like it. Yeah. I was, well, I mean, okay. For someone who's, like I said, usually a wheat beer drinker or like a Marzen drinker or whatever. You want to call me Hefeweizen drinker. This is drinkable. Yeah. I like it. I was yeah, concerned yeah. that you got a cream ale because I'm like, ugh. I don't want to drink like orange soda. You're like dream sickle shit. Like, no. No, thank you. No. This is pretty good. That has been a dream sickle one that I did want to grab. but There's one at Redemption that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Redemption, but it's awful. <laughs> it's too strong. It's too much sugar. And you want, if you're trying to drink beer, you're not trying to drink like ice cream with yeah, beer flavor. That's true. This is like beer that's got a cream soda or a creamy flavor. Mm-hmm. So like that's the difference. It's like this is cream soda with beer afterthought or whatever. This is like beer. And then, yeah, it's got that kind of like softer flavor, whatever you want to call it. Right. I can definitely drink another. Yeah, I think it's, it's very, pretty good. Very light. Very. Yeah, it's. I don't know if I'd wait until now to drink it. I think it'd be more of a summertime thing. Right. But it's not bad now. I guess or, if we have another week like before where it was like 90 all week and it was mm-hmm. September, October, you're just like, ugh, fine. But I mean, if you're over the pumpkin. Yeah. And you're still kind of looking for something to drink in like the spooky and scary days. Right. Part of uh, shriek in and freak out days. <laughs> um, not bad. Yeah, I mean, this would be something to do. And it's, I like the can. It'd be like something you'd put out, you know, for Halloween parties or whatever. That would be good. Yeah. But make sure that, like, people know that it's beer, not something to give your kids. (laughs) It does say ale on it, so. Some people are dumb. Well, you know, alcohol might be a factor. Anyway, so, let's see what our friends have to say. Do you want to rate it first before I tempt your... Nope, I'm already good. I'm not going to rate it. Just go. Okay. So our beer advocate rating, we got a 3.58 out of 5. And there was only four ratings of this beer. So, I mean, four people thought it was pretty good. Or meh. Meh good. Mm -hmm. I'd say meh meh good. good. 3.5 is 3.58, so bordering on a 3.6, but still, it's kind of like, it's not bad. It's not something I would drive across the state for, but if you're in the area or you like creamy sort of beers like this, or if it gets super hot in October like it has before, you know, not a bad choice. Definitely not something, like I said, that you'd drive for two or three hours from, you know, to get, but it's not bad. If you want to try some of the other things they had to offer, it wouldn't be worth it. I mean, it would be worth it. Not a bad choice. Yeah. They do have good choices there. Yeah. And probably a good palate cleanser, too, if you're going to drink some other things there. Anyway, on Rate Beer, had a 43 overall with a 73 for a style and a 3.12 for their rating. So, again, the Rate Beer snobs are not fans. <laughs> right. But we've always seen that where it's been beer advocates a little more generous, rate beers a little more, you know, whatever you want to call it, snooty. Yeah, the, <laughs> we call them beer snobs. We don't call it beer advocate. We call it beer snobs. I thought rate beer. Oh, rate beer is also terrible. Oh. But th- we like their rating system, the overall in the style. But oh. beer advocates definitely the snobby ones. 
Well, I feel like they're more forgiving overall, but there's also probably more people that rate it. Um, Untapped has more people rating it. Well, yeah. Untapped gave it a 3.43. So, I mean, that's relatively close to the Beer Advocate one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's point, you know, one five off, so it's not too bad. But... Yeah, we've actually had 525 people rate it. Wow. I have zero friends rate it. Oh, well. Um, so I'm going to be the first... Uh, and it has gone up a notch since I wrote these down. It oh, is okay. now at a 3.45. Oh, watch out. That .02 that it's raised up a little bit. So yep. we'll see what you do to that rating. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and just, as I'm tapping this in, say it. Because I don't have to compete with anybody because no one else is it. doing it. So is it a can? Yes. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and put in, I don't know what camera I want, the photo gallery. You already took the picture. So I already took the picture. So I'm going to go ahead and throw that in there. Done. Done and done. It's creamy. It's smooth. It's light. Yeah, I'd say like a 3.25, 3.4 range. Yeah, I can only do quarters, so right. I gave it a 3.5. Oh, I thought it was a little bit better than a 3.25. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm probably around the same, like 3.4, I think, would be... If you had a choice to do mm. that, would probably be about where I'd put it to. Yeah. I just was, if I'm not going to go up to the 3.5, then I would just probably go down. But, eh. Yeah, would you? If you're going to rate the median, then yeah. Yeah, you're going to do a 3.4, the... you might as well go up to a 3.5. Yeah. So, you, so you're saying you're going down to a 3.25? Yeah. Sweet. Because, you know, if it doesn't quite reach the 3.5 margin, I'm not going to boast it there just because. I'd rather right. people be pleasantly surprised when they drink it and be like, oh, this is better than I thought, you know, then... Well, this isn't quite as good as she thought it was. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's more of the problem that uh, a lot of people will look this beer up before they get it. Yeah. And then, like, not buy it because it's so low. Yeah. That's. I mean, I guess that's the problem that you'll get. But you'll run into people who are like, oh, I didn't anticipate it being this bad or I didn't anticipate it being this good. Type right. Of thing. So yeah. you have people like us who just kind of check it in right. as they go. For sure. No, yeah. I definitely think it's... It's not like, again, they wouldn't drive, you know, three hours to get to Plainsfield to try just this beer. I mean, if you're going to go to Brewling, go to Brewling for other things. Oh, yeah. It's on our <laughs> list for sure. It's only a half hour away from us. Yeah. So, I, but this wouldn't be the, like, kick in the pants I need to get there. You know what I mean? So, oh, like, I know. For sure. I mean, there's probably- Nutter Cup or yeah. Hop Reference or Insert Hop Reference or Ivory Stout. Those are all things that... I enjoyed that it would be good enough to be like, hey, they have some stuff there. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. That's where I put it. I'm I'm with that. Sounds good. All right. Not quite 10 years later. Not quite. (laughs) I mean, it seemed like he was on like a... Well, it was, yeah. A 10-year range. Frank and Weenie, 2012. We actually went to the theater to watch this. We did? Yeah, we did. Oh. Hey, look at that. Yeah. We did a thing. Yeah, it was uh it came out in like I don't know, I think like October ish or September ish. I mean you went to the theater. Yeah. <laughs> right when we started dating, two thousand twelve. Yeah. Cute. I gross. Vomit. Vomit gross. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, Frankweenie is a two thousand twelve American three D stop motion animated fantasy film comedy horror horror comedy film comedy directed fantasy thing. Directed by Tim Burton and produced by Walt Disney. It is a remake of Burton's 1984 short film of the same name, and it is a parody of and homage to 
1931 film Frankenstein, based on Mary Shelley's book of the same name. Fun fact, people think that Mary Shelley killed Percy Shelley for his uh, uh, book because she was a terrible author. Really? And that book was really good. I they co-wrote this book while they were sitting around with a friend. Pretty sure. Yeah, Lord Byron. Yeah. Yeah. They did. But a lot of people are crazy and think that oh. the rest of her books are fucking awful. Oh. And think that, no, she didn't write this. Somebody else had to have done it. She's, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And since, you know, Lord Byron and Percy Shelley are world-renowned authors that, you know. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't believe any of that. Anyway. Yep. So the voice uh, cast includes four actors who have worked with Burton on previous films. So he had Winona Ryder. Don't say that word. We've already said it twice. Yeah, uh, she <laughs> she's the first time on these animated, so we haven't really talked about her. But she was on that movie that we've mentioned twice already. We can't say it again yep. because you know what happens when we say it three times. Yep. She was also on Edward Scissorhands. 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 Uh, Martin Short was on Mars Attack. Catherine O'Hara was on the word we can't say because we've said it two times previously. And Nightmare. and the Nightmare Before Christmas. Martin Landau. Uh, Martin Landau, Edward, and Sleepy Hollow. And then we had a few new voice actors. Uh, Charlie Tahan, who's a, a young ki- uh, kid at the time, and Atticus Schaefer, who I've never heard of. <laughs> uh, Frank and Weenie's in black and white, and it is also the fourth stop motion film produced by Burton. And so, is, the two we mentioned in James. Yep. And the first one of the four is not a musical. That is not a musical. Right. This is not a musical film. Correct. There's no songs. I mean, they could have done some songs, but there aren't any. There are, there's music in the background, but there's no singing. Right. In this film, a boy named Victor loses a dog, a bull terrier named Sparky, and uses the power of electricity, how foretelling, to resurrect him. But it is then blackmailed by his peers into revealing how they, too, can reanimate their diseased past pets and other Did creatures. Did you say diseased or deceased? Uh, I said diseased, but I meant deceased. <laughs> Resulting in mayhem, especially those that turtle. The turtle. Uh, the tongue-in-cheek film contains numerous references and parodies related to the book, past film versions of the book, and other literary classics. Right. So basically, Awkward Boy only has his dog friend, and yep. parents try to push him into being you know, more socially accepted viable whatever you want to call it be out in the world so his dad yeah. basically forces him to do baseball so he'll sign his uh, permission slip to be in the science fair <laughs> and yep. so while Vic, while he's what did i say oh yeah so while he's uh playing uh baseball at his dad's request sparky pulls away from his collar and goes to chase the ball that victor hit in which case, Sparky goes and runs after the ball, then gets hit by a car, and mm-hmm. is dead. Right. And we're all sad. For sure. Because it's his only friend in the world, and you feel really bad. Yeah, so Charlie Tahan. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think that's how you would say that. Tahan. Probably. He is Victor Frankenstein. Go figure the name. He's a young scientist. <laughs> oh, God, I love that term. Who brings his dog back to life. Uh, Martin Short plays a conglomerate of characters. Conglomerate? Yes. Conglomerate. Conglomerate. Yeah, he's Edward Frankenstein, which is Victor's father. He plays Nisor. He plays Tashioka's partner. Tashioka's partner. 
Toshiaki's partner and Victor's other rival-like former enemy who has a flat head inspired by Frankenstein monster and whose voice and face resembles that of Boris uh, Karloff and Mr. Bergmeister, the grumpy mayor of New Holland. The next door neighbor. Which is the next door neighbor, yep. And Elsa's uncle. Yep. He is also a homage to the villainous Burgermeister Meistenberger from the Rankin and Bass film Santa Claus is Coming to Town. There you go. Which is Burgermeister Meisterberger, which is something my dad used to yell at me all the time for random reasons because he's a weird person. Yep. I've and never heard that before. It is funny to say. It is funny to say. Have you watched Santa Claus is Coming to Town? No. Oh, I'm sure you have. You probably just don't remember it. Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, Kath- your mother and aunt are obsessed with Christmas. I'm sure. Yeah, I kind of blocked it out because of that. <laughs> uh, Catherine O'Hare as Susan Frankenstein, Victor's mother. She was the gym teacher, which was the annoying gym teacher. Yeah. Also, <laughs> she was the unnamed teacher who replaced Mister uh, Ruz Karuski. But I thought Ruz that was Kruski. the gym teacher. That what? That's what it is. It's you're reading that as two things. Oh, I see. Susan Frankenstein is Victor's mother. The gym teacher, who is also doesn't oh, have see. a name. But she replaces her science teacher. She is also the weird girl who's got the cat. Oh, yeah. Who makes psychic predictions based off of her cat, Mr. Whiskers, and his poop. Yep. So that she plays those three gotcha. characters. Martin Landau, Mr. Rice Krispies. <laughs> the eccentric but wise science teacher at Victor School who speaks in a thick Eastern European accent, or Prussian. His teachings inspire Victor's efforts to resurrect Sparky, and he acts like a mentor. Even though he's only his teacher for like a couple of days. Yeah. The character is, was inspired by Burton's childhood icon, Vince Price. I don't know who that is. Vincent Price. Uh, Winona Ryder played Elsa von Helsing, which is the next door neighbor. The next door neighbor. Well, the next door neighbor's niece. Yep. And Van Helsing is a really popular name for vampire hunters. Well, yeah, that's why there's a movie called Van Helsing. Yep. Uh, so Frank Welker played Sparky and Sea Creatures. Um, <laughs> just made noises, I guess. Yeah, like he pretended to bark, I guess. Right. And then we have Persephone, Shelley, and Colossus. Oh, Colossus. Yeah. <laughs> As also being played by D. Bradley Baker, which I don't really know what they needed a actual per- i guess they use real voices instead of like computer-based sounds for yeah all the characters like groaning and wailing and whatever yeah and then we have a various of other characters like atticus schaefer who is Edgar igor which is the the humpback friend inspired he's by not really a friend he's more like a yeah you know, a douchey douche uh robert caprone who played bob he was the the large fellow oh yeah the mm. redheaded kid yeah then we have the uh conchata pharaoh as uh bob's mother and a beast a stereotypical <sighs> suburban housewife who dotes upon her son believing in status quo and that her misguided actions are in bob's best interest and then you got james hiroyuki lao as toshiaki who is victor's rival Mm-hmm. And one of his classmates, who it seems like they're all like competing to be the smartest and the best in the science fair, which I find kind of interesting because I don't know. I guess in my personal experience, a lot of the boys didn't really care about school. So yeah. for them to be like three that are like super, like, I'm going to be the smartest and win the science fair, I'm like, who are you? 
Like, right. That doesn't resonate with me as far as my experiences with male children in school, but whatever. I I enjoyed the science fair, and I tried really hard, and I'm glad that I did because I got third place in the city on my science fair project. Oh, look at you, pants pants. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I told you about it, it was a neuroscience or like a neurological yeah. type of testing thing. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and we have Christopher Lee again, who played Dracula in the stock footage from Dracula. <laughs> yeah, he, to, when I, he played I, Dracula. I scrolled over him last time, so we're going to give him a shout-out this time. I appreciate that. He's deserving of his shout-out. I mean, yeah, every time you see Chris Lee. He's definitely worth it. Uh, for overall ideas for this, like, thoughts about this film, it was it was kind of his, like, his the, the weakest one. I would have loved to watch the short. I didn't really get a good chance to check out the short film that he did in 84 to see how different it was, if it was any better, any worse. Um, so I think that, you know, that'd be something that we could have, you know, could have done, could have checked out. Uh, but we just didn't have time, nor did we actually have it. I just didn't really want to go out and, you know, find it. But it'd be something to kind of check out. Um, it ends kind of hunky-dory. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, you know, the dogs say, you know, there's, when they resurrect the pets, they become monsters, which essentially is the premise of Frankenstein, right? Uh, when, you know, Victor resurrects the monster or makes the monster. Brings them back to life. Yeah, it's essentially a monster. Right. And so, like, the, the... It's like the brain is, like, wiped and it's, like, zombie-esque. Yep. Rather than like a reanimation mm-hmm. of a person, right? And so you have your big old he, uh, Persephone and Colossus, and what was it? The, the Shelley. Yeah, Shelley. Like those, like those characters are way different than yeah what they were before. Right, and so you have your big old turtle, giant turtle. Yeah, giant turtle, basically Godzilla esque. Yeah. Then Colossus is like a tiny little, a tiny little mummy rat. He was a hamster or a guinea pig, I guess. Yeah, guinea something like probably. that. And then you had like a, a squished rat that turned into a little beast. Yeah, that was the Igor's car- uh, resurrection attempt was the rat. Yep. That turned into like a two foot tall walking on its hind legs rat. And then... Sea monsters. The sea monsters. Yeah, the sea monkeys. No, the sea monkeys. Yeah, those, kinda, those are kind of fun. Yeah, uh, and the salt is what killed them, and that was kind of interesting that they would, you know, hey, eat this popcorn. Right. You would figure that he's like, oh, all my other friends died because of this popcorn. I'm not going to eat the popcorn. Right. But nope. See, like, they really that's like all it. they do is like eat and be crazy. Right. So, and so then, and then you have Persephone, who happened. The cat got mixed in with the bat. Yeah. In that attempt, and so the cat became a bat cat. <laughs> bat cat. Bat cat. I and attacked Elsa and attacked everyone. Everyone <laughs> essentially. So their famous windmill burned to the ground, and Sparky saved Victor. Right. While saving Victor, he died. Right. So what happened was Elsa got chased up into the windmill mm-hmm. by the rat and rat bat or cat bat. The cat bat, and then Victor goes in to try and save her. And then Sparky goes in to say Victor, and then everyone gets out except for Sparky because the rat cat chases him and pulls him back into the burning. And building. they all both die. 
And then it collapses on top of them, so they're both dead. And then they use all the car batteries of everyone who came to attack and basically put down Sparky again <laughs> to <laughs> resurrect him again. Right. So, a secondary resurrection. And then that's how it ends, that's <laughs> basically. It. You just got a little feel good at the end where the boy gets his dog back, even though he's like an undead zombie dog. But right. Whatevs. Totally, totally say that it is worth watching at least once. Yeah. I mean, don't go out of your way. But it is definitely it's definitely worth watching. I enjoy it. Um, not as good much as the other two movies, and it's not something that I'm going to stop what I'm doing and go watch if it's on. But if I'm flipping channels and can't find something to watch, and that's on, I'll probably watch it. But I don't watch television, so jokes on you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a good like feel good Halloweeny movie, especially for like. Younger kids, I wouldn't say young kids, but like you know, some a kid like eight or nine maybe would probably really enjoy it because you have that kind of feel good kind of ending, so it's not as like dark. I mean, it would definitely teach them about life cycle, like (laughs) the fact Mm -hmm. that pets can die, um, but and not to play with science you don't understand, but (laughs) (laughs) but overall, I think it's it was a pretty good movie, it's definitely more. I wouldn't say the other two aren't family friendly. I just feel like the trying to explain like death is easier in that one than the right. others. Right. I think so. And the characters in Halloween Town are kind of scary, so I can understand why kids don't like that one as much. Right. And this one is, you know, produced by Disney, so. Right. Of course, you get that feel good ending. Yeah, you get the. A nice, feel-good, child-approved type of movie, whereas the other ones were just... Tim Burton doing his thing. Here you go, it's what it is. Right. Definitely. Right. Yeah, go check it out. Um, more beer. More beer. I'm good with that. We have beer breweries. Again. Yeah. Marzen, which is a German-style amber lager. So, beer brewery. We've had them on before. On a light episode, I believe. Yeah, we did. Well, me and you did the Brewcapades. I think it was episode one was beer brewery. Really? Yeah. Maybe. Anyway, we've had them on before. They're located in Indianapolis on 65th Street. So, they're about 15 minutes from us. So, we've been there a couple times that's yeah, pretty good i, I like went them there, a lot i went there for their pumpkin release like right. a couple weeks ago yeah that's pretty good yeah it was good stuff anyway so i'm excited i love marzen so this will be a good one so this beer is supposedly a sweet malt aroma accented by earthy noble hop aroma with mild flavors of toast biscuit and bready sweetness a medium light body with medium carbonation and at 2013 they won a silver at the Indiana Brewers Cup. And it's got 6.8% ABV and 19 IBUs. Nice. So That's nothing too heavy. Nothing too bittery, too. Nothing too bittery, yes. Nothing too and Here we go. Crazy. And we're opening it. Pop. Another can for you. And we're just going to pour this entire thing because... Allison likes... 
Oktoberfest beers. <laughs> I am pointing to a thing. You, be, you better believe it. Okay. Oh, there's Ooh. yours. Why are you trying to knock mine down? Dang. Well, because you're not going to drink it. What? Who says? I don't know. I'm going to take my picture right, right quick. This is pretty dark. It is pretty dark, but you know Oktoberfest. This is Oktoberfest, so it's Marzen. Marzen's are Oktoberfest. All right. Goldeny goodness. For sure. So the can is kind of fun. So you have your your black your your black on your orange with your white kind of like Oktoberfest type of style. Traditional Halloween colors. Yeah, traditional October colors yeah. for pumpkins. Uh, you have a castle with some color in it and a little gnome with a big old pint glass. So the pint glass is about as big as he is. Yeah. Does it can say anything that we didn't read? Oh, that's exactly what we read. Yep. Um, the a- ALC, I don't know, the alcohol, this is alcohol content, is 5.7. So it's a little bit different than uh, what this says. So not ABV. Yeah, alcohol by volume versus alcohol. I don't know. I don't know. That says alcohol by volume. It just says it yeah. weirdly. Right. The so, alcohol is 5.7% by volume. Which is different than what we have from Untapped, so. Yeah. I kind of trust the can a little bit more. Yeah, uh, for sure. This, their label is awesome. I love that label. That the beer their brewing, little Indiana. Logo. Yeah. There, yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorite logos of the Indiana beers. Yeah. Other than that, it's just like your basic aluminum color, and then you have a couple. Uh, I like that it's colorful, though. Yeah. And I like the fact that they like played up the aluminum instead of covering it all. Like it adds a like mm-hmm. a different background than what you're used to seeing because a lot of people cover the can. Right. And so using that as like a background to you know build off of is kind of interesting. Yeah, instead definitely. of just kind of covering it up. Yeah. So. Give a little sniffer sniffs. Definitely smells like orzen. Yeah, it does. Take a lager. It's October. Mm-hmm. Smells like what I expect it to smell like. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I don't I know. Would think so. We'll see. What do, what do we got for colors? Like it's a, a little darker than you were expecting. So 17? it's like a seventeen or an eighteen. Uh, yeah. Around there. Let's say seventeen-ish. I don't know. Seventeen might be too light. I like eighteen a lot. Okay, 18 then. We're going to take a look at 18. Uh, so oh my gosh. Ganondorf's beard brow. <laughs> uh, I think 17, uh, John Hammond's amber cane probably could, is a little too light for this. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I think that... Ganondorf's beard brow works for me. Yeah, Ganondorf. <laughs> Ooh, even 19 is Mario brick. Oh, the Mario brick? Yeah, probably. That seems pretty low close. Yeah, actually, I can I can live with that one. We'll do the I mean, Mario it's, brick. it's in there. It's in that range. Yeah. Give it an 18, 19. Yeah. The Mario brick is a little, like, at the edges of this, like, where it's not as thick, it's not as dark as that. You, uh, ready to take some sippy sips? Sippy sip 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 this Marzo? Always. Okay. Sippy hmm. sip sip sip. It's very toasty. That's what it says. Yeah. <laughs> it says mild flavors of toast. Bready, toasty. Biscuit kinda. and bready sweetness. Ter- I would say that's relatively accurate. It's crisp. It's not as heavy as I thought it would be, though. Mm-hmm. Like, for it being bready, it doesn't seem like it's heavy. Like, right. it doesn't seem, like, extra, like, thick, weighted. Right. It is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. You have everything up front, too. Yeah, it's really clean right. at the end. There's, 
I mean, you can kind of taste the carbonation at the end, but this it's not like overpowering. There's nothing that like like jumps out at you type of thing. It's very, I think it's very clean. I mean, obviously, it's very clear. There's no nothing floaty, nothing like that. It's just the yeah, deep amber color. Yeah, it is very clean. I would consider that a accurate statement because it's definitely you get the flavor at the front and you it sits well, but like. Once you, like, swallow it and you let it go, then it's, you don't have, like, a lot of, like, after funky or, like, burn or any, like, super hoppy aftertaste. Like, some of them kind of have more of a intense bitter flavor at the end. Mm -hmm. Because I noticed that with Martisons a lot, that there's a lot of variation on the, like, the after feel, the after flavor. Because it can be very intense or it can be more mild. And this one's actually really clean. It's pretty mild at the end. Because where were we when we had one last? Where was our last Mars in that that we drank? Um, oh. Ooh, together? Where were we at last? Where we had one and you're like, this is pretty good. And I was like, this is awful. Oh, it was uh, Barley Island. Barley Island, yeah. I was like, no, this is not good. Because it was way too intense. Like, the end was not... It reminded me more of, like, a IPA version of Mars in where it was, like, super harsh. Yeah, I mean... Like, it's not an IPA, obviously, but I mean, like, that kind of, like, intense hoppy afterburn that you get with right. that kind of a more intense beer. Well, That's the, what it reminds me of. It kind of reminds me of the straight-up German beer. Like, the German beer tastes like that because right. that's just how it is. Right. But, overall, not bad. Anyway, so, if we look at our rating... Our friends, let's see, I'm Beer Advocate. Overall, it's got a 4.14 with only four ratings. So, me. And then on Rate Beer, um, they don't have ratings overall and on style, apparently. And the overall score, ouch, is 2.94. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't do so well. That's over a full point of difference of opinion between Rate Beer and Beer Advocate. And then Untap kind of splits the difference with a little bit higher, closer to the Beer Advocate, of a 3.7 out of, you know, 354 ratings. So, I don't know. I don't even know what to say with that. That's just like a... That's a pretty good spread. Like... (laughs) Between 2.94 and 4.14, that's a pretty good spread. So I guess it really depends on what you expect in your Marzen. Um, So I think that would be the biggest difference. So if you're expecting a more traditional German Marzen and you want that more intense sort of flavor, then this is not the beer for you, right? So like if you're expecting something that level, then this is not it. But if you're easing into your Mars in love and you're more interested in the kind of cleaner like I don't know I wouldn't call it brighter but I wouldn't say it's heavy either so Mm. it's kind of not I wouldn't call it light but it's not like a super unpalatable heavy beer where you're like god I'm eating bread like I can just go home and eat a loaf of bread instead then you know this is kind of that good starting point I feel like this is a good starting Mars and if you haven't had one before if you're not sure if you like them this is kind of like easing yourself into the water, essentially, because it's it's got the flavor, but it's not going to kick your mouth in either. 
yeah, it's pretty much quintessential uh, American styled Oktoberfest beers. Right. Uh, it kind of tastes better than Sam Adams. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of has like the the kind of taste of uh, an Oktoberfest from like Germany, but it doesn't have like that aftertaste that you kind of get from all those weed beers. <laughs> right. That you know you're like, ah, oh, crack this open. It's done for already. But yeah. it has the flavor. It's not um, skunky or whatever you want to call it. Right. I would say that this is a, a light body or like a kind of light body. You know, you kind For, of, comparatively. Yeah, you're trying to, to shy Marzins. away from that. I kind of do think that it is light. Comparatively uh, to other Marzins, yes. Yeah. But I wouldn't call this like a light beer. Right. Well, no, it's not going to be a light beer. But it's I, like but the yeah, body But is... I mean, when I usually think of when I use the word light, I'm usually thinking like lagery light beer. Not like, right. you know. The stereotypical big three light beer, not necessarily like light as in like a flavor or a right. texture. But yeah, I would say this is easily drinkable. If that's what you want to classify it as, then yes. It definitely is uh, pretty good. Yeah. Um, some of the flavor profiles that I'm using uh, on the check-in, so I'm checking this in currently. Malty. Yeah. Uh, smooth. Yeah. Light, clean, crisp, sweet. I think there's a little bit of sweetness to this. A little, but I wouldn't say it's overbearingly sweet. It's bready. Just, it's just about right. It's bready sweet. Well, it ends sweet. Yeah. It's bready and like toasty up front, but it's kind of sweet at the end. Yeah. It's uh, definitely like a... I could eat some marshmallows with this. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> some toasted marshmallows and some chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> It'd so, be my s'more bread on the end. <laughs> I don't need any bread. I'm just going to drink this beer. Yeah, dancing around it. I, I give it a four. Oh. Uh, I could drink, like, the entire six-pack. Yeah, definitely. I think it's very uh, drinkable. And I probably would have if I didn't give away half of them right. uh, to so. the other podcasters so they can enjoy the beer as we go. Right. Beer uh, trade. Yeah. Uh, but it's damn good. Like, for an Oktoberfest, I'm the, I like Oktoberfest, but I'm not going to, like, drop everything and get an Oktoberfest. But... I'm always interested in trying new Oktoberfest style beers. Yeah. Um, in Marzins. I'd be interested to check to see like if Beer Brewery actually brewed this in March. Like they're supposed to? Like they're supposed to. <laughs> that would be, you know, just something that'd be interesting and cool. I don't know. I don't know if they would because this feels pretty light to have had it sit that long. I know. And I mean, I don't know the fermentation process or the storage process behind Oktoberfest where you can get away with doing Earlier an Oktoberfest, doing it later. I don't know. Uh, I'd be interested to, uh, you know, see the process or check out the process. For sure. But, all right. Well, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably go about the same. Yeah. I like it. It's drinkable. Yeah. That's definitely pretty much about what I expected. It's a little bit more drinkable than sometimes what I expect from a Mars and especially after that bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> the best Oktoberfest you've had? I don't know if it's the best one. It's I really like Sun Kings. Yeah, it's leaning toward the top for me. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's really good. Yeah. But I just, I don't know if it beats Sun King, unfortunately, yeah. for that. Yeah. I like Sun Kings a lot. <laughs> yeah. Really good. <laughs> probably get some more of that. Yeah, well, you know. They can it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We have growlers also, and we live close. So. We should just go do that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that. That's it for the three films that we wanted to talk about. There's a fourth film. I didn't like it as much. Cause I've seen it. James and Giant Peach. I love James and Giant Peach when I was younger, but it had nothing to do with Christmas or 
for Christmas. Wow. That has nothing to do with Halloween, really, mm-hmm. except for the fact that there's a giant peach and it's kind of scary, but it's Tim Burton, so of course it's a little scary. Right. <laughs> That's just who he is. But yeah. No. That was good. I mean, overall, if you're a fan of Tim Burton, then you don't really need to listen to us talk about it. If you haven't seen Tim Burton, then I wonder why you live under a rock. Right. And the casual fan, then this is about your speed. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you enjoyed those little recaps and maybe you'll go out and check it out or kind of relive nostalgia. Or go watch it again because it's yeah. that time of the year and you might as well. Right. <laughs> um, and definitely check out these beers, especially the pumpkin. Big You're a big fan. fan. Yeah. Especially so. if you like pumpkin and everything like he does. Mm. Everything. All right. So I call this our Southern studio. Our Southern studio. <laughs> Logging, signing out from our Southern studio. Yeah. It's Dustin and Allison. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. So everybody, shriek up and freak out. Shriek up? Isn't it shrieking? I mean, it is, it is shrieking geek out, but our tagline is drink up and geek out oh. when we get to the end. Shriek up? Yeah. So shriek up. And freak out. (laughs) Proud member of the Hopped Up Network.